0: To weird Comics History. My name is Reggie. I'm Chris. And we like to bring you some Weird Comics History every week on the Weird Science DC Comics blog. Blog, blogspot.com podcast. Almost got through it. Now, almost. Uh, <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of practice. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about when Marvel considered licensing DC Comics characters in 1984, which is a very strange uh, story to tell. You know, you can only imagine what would have happened if they had gotten their hands on characters like Batman, Superman, Green Lantern. I think they would have been, uh, you know, running around the Marvel Universe. Maybe the X-Men would have been kicking their ass. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, my a, picture.
1: Imagine the stories they would have told and imagine the stories that we would have never gotten.
0: That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so this is back in 1984. This is Ronald Reagan's second term. He, he won in a landslide, right? 49 to 1. That's right. He uh, couldn't be stopped. It was a new day for America and a new day for the comics industry at this time. uh, The direct market was really starting to eclipse the newsstand market. Uh, It was still not the main market, but it was getting bigger and bigger and having much more of an impact. And Partly due to that, a lot of uh, independent comics publishers entered the arena, including Antarctic Press, Continuity Comics, Deluxe Comics, Matrix, Graphics Series, and Renegade Press. Uh, But at the same time, because of this direct market, in part, and because uh, Kitty Comics were kind of going to the wayside, some of these other publishers closed their doors, including Gold Key Comics, uh, also known as Whitman Comics, Capital Comics, JC Comics, Spectrum Comics... And Pacific Comics, which uh, we already talked about, had put out a Jack Kirby series. Didn't they do Destroyer Duck?
1: They, you know, I don't know that they did do Destroyer Duck. I uh, I actually I have think a that copy was later.
0: Of that. Like that. that was later, but they did do some Jack Kirby thing.
1: Yeah, because uh, Destroyer Duck, actually, on that top 100 from 1984, Destroy, Destroyer Duck number 6 is number 90. Huh. So, uh, yeah, that was coming out, I guess.
0: I guess I, that might have been, you know, we'd have to check it out again. But, yeah, uh,
1: that was Steve Gerber.
0: Writing that's right, that. writing that. It yeah. was sort of an F to Marvel over Howard yeah. the Duck. Uh, but whatever that series was, it didn't get finished because uh, Pacific Comics went out of business. And uh, things were shaking up.
1: Yeah, um, Jim Shooter, the uh, current or at the time uh, current uh, editor chief at Marvel, he got a call from uh, one of the big wigs at uh, Warner Publishing, uh, a guy named uh, by the name of William Sarnoff. Mm-hmm. and uh, he got a hold of him to uh, test the waters to see if uh, if Marvel would have any interest in getting the publication rights, licensing the DC characters, yep. which. Uh, God, could you imagine that today?
0: <laughs> it would be unbelievable. And you know, Jim Shooter, we're not going to get too deep into him now, but this is a very interesting character in the history of comics. Oh, absolutely. Uh, both DC and Marvel, although really he made his big impact in Marvel. But it's important to know that he was a huge DC fan as a kid and got his start writing Legion of Superheroes when he was only thirteen. Thirteen years, years
1: old. Years old.
0: Yep. So uh, he definitely knew DC's characters. He knew what they were capable of
1: yeah and uh, as we were talking about with the uh, direct market uh, getting you know starting to get a foothold uh, d c was uh, actually toying with uh, with direct market only books they had their new format books yep and uh, kind of in a uh, in a way of having their cake and eating it too they would uh, they would continue popular series as a, with the new number one in this new Baxter paper format mm-hmm. and they would also continue the previous one um, in the newsstand format and uh, a year later they would start reprinting those, those higher quality stories for the newsstand audience yeah um, uh, three titles I can think of off the top of my head is uh, you know New Teen Titans, which uh, the newsstand version became Tales of the Titans, mm-hmm. and uh, you also had Legion, which became Tales of the Legion, and uh, Outsiders, which was Batman and the Outsiders, changed just to Outsiders with the old title becoming Adventures of the Outsiders.
0: So Outsiders was for the uh, comics shop? Yeah,
1: just, just plain old adjectives. Uh, adventures of outside Outsiders for the newsstand that was new stand yeah.
0: yeah i actually didn't remember that third one but i remembered the legion and the and the titans and wondering what the hell was this, what was going on here you know it's like
1: <laughs> a lot I, I, of people felt that way I could just
0: i read this comic before you know but they, they were definitely <laughs> diversifying uh, but at, you know at the time marvel was selling you know 10 to 1 or you know on a lot of their titles it wasn't oh, even it, it wasn't even close uh, you know x men was just dominating the world you know their biggest selling title was definitely teen titans and it, it still was barely, you know, a, yeah, a third was, of the sales of, of your regular X-Men title.
1: Yeah, it was lucky to be a top ten or a top five
0: book. So it's, uh, you know, this is something uh, you and I went over during the week. You know, as far as unprofitable, unless we open the books, we, we can't say one way or the other. But I think anybody looking at the sales figures, the shipping, you know, the circulation numbers would see that Marvel was beating the pants off of DC and...
1: Yeah, DC. Why, don't, was why playing, don't
0: we just let them do everything?
1: <laughs> yeah, DC was playing it pretty conservative because even in, in so far as their, uh, I think they called it their draw. Um, they uh, they weren't shipping. Uh, they weren't shipping as many books. Yeah. Uh, so they weren't shipping as many copies of each individual book. Where Marvel was uh, in a position where they could they could ship as much as they wanted because there was less coming back. For sure. Um, because, you know, we still had the newsstand uh, where all they had to do was tear the cover off, mm-hmm. and uh, they'd get a full refund. And and that's also part of the reason why some of the people were fighting for the direct market, because they thought there was a lot of fraud going on at the distribution level.
0: Which there was. I mean, I remember, I'm sure I remember as yeah. a kid buying plenty of comics with the cover ripped off. I mean, you know, Absolutely. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a, usually at a fair or something, you wouldn't get that at the newsstand, usually. But uh, it wasn't even, hard uh, to find them.
1: Yeah, even when the New 52 started and they were doing some returns, uh, a lot of the comic stores locally had coverless comics for like oh, a dollar. Well, and it's, uh, it's, uh, I hope you reported
0: every one of them.
1: I, I did. I, I did a citizen's arrest, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I put a padlock on the door.
0: So, you know, uh, DC, obviously uh, William Sarnoff looked at the numbers and said, you know, DC should be doing a lot better uh appealed to Jim Shooter who then went to Marvel's president Jim Galton and Galton tells Sarnoff they're not interested his his feeling was if DC can't make money from their characters they must they not must, be very good
1: they must not be good characters
0: which yeah. really is unbelievable to me i mean what business is this guy in you know i mean like you know he never heard of superman he never heard of yeah you know the, the flash give me a break you know i mean <laughs>
1: And this is only this is coming at like what when was Superman the movie?
0: Seventy nine? Seventy eight, I want to say. Seventy
1: eight. I mean this is you know, only a few years after that and what were they up to? Like Superman number six by now?
0: I mean I mean he, he's he's in the comics business, you know? I mean yeah. if, you know if nothing else, that's your next biggest competitor. Take a look. Absolutely. Obviously this anyway, but that you know, that that was the executive attitude and uh Just Counting Beans, yeah. Jim shoot Jim Shooter was stunned by that. He said they're great characters, they just have editorial problems, which you know, it could echo some other eras in D.C. that we're, we'll talk about another time. I'm sure. And uh, Jim Shooter called Bill Sarnoff and told him, put the deal back on the table. He's going to put together a business plan and present it to Joe Calamari, who is the executive uh, vice president of business affairs at Marvel. This is a very uh, serious business-oriented adventure here. Uh, so his idea was that he would uh, launch seven titles with D.C. characters, Um yeah. Superman uh would start with number 80 I guess and uh would
1: no no that that was uh it was currently a number eighty in the oh, top 100.
0: that that's that that would that's the number so yeah it was number yeah. 80 in the top in the top 100 Superman was selling uh it was a number 80 it was pushing roughly 15 copies per shop
1: yeah it's an interesting way they were using to uh to gauge that back then it wasn't uh it wasn't how many was shipped or sold. It was there was an average of how many they could count on to sell per shop.
0: Which is interesting, which
1: you know. It, it's very interesting because I mean, it's it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a false metric if you think about it because it's, you know, it's, certain shops might might push it further, and certain shops might have a bias against DC or may just not have an interest in it.
0: Absolutely. So it's, I, I've been to comic stores around the country that were. DC stores, you know that, oh, absolutely. and then they'd had, they had. No, they didn't get Marvel, but they were really all about. And i the opposite too. And nowadays, yeah. you find stores that are really all about trades and independence. You know, it's and really all about cards. the flavor of the person that uh, opens the store. So it, it is a strange metric. I wonder if it has to do with that they ran their own distribution, or that That's you know, probably there it. wasn't a, yeah. there wasn't really a. Comics distributor. It was sort of they were part of magazine and, news, and newspaper. It,
1: yeah, it wasn't its own. It wasn't its own discipline at that point. It was yeah. just. It was just another periodical.
0: So uh, it, that was it's an interesting way to look at it. But uh, Batman was number sixty on the top one hundred. Number sixty. I mean, that's. Could you imagine? Unbelievable <laughs> to me today. You know, Batman is the bread and butter. But remember, this is five years before Tim Burton's Batman movie and a year before Dark Knight Returns would really invigorate yeah. the property. Uh, that was pushing 20 copies of Shop. Wonder Woman was number 89, 10 copies of Shop.
1: I could kind of believe that, yeah.
0: Green, Green Lantern, which actually was very good at this time. It was written by Len Wein and... Uh, or at least Dave the, Gibbons? Dave was Gibbons was doing, uh, yeah, on? at least the Tales of the Green Lantern core. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved that comic at, at this exact time.
1: Oh, that was a wonderful book.
0: Uh, it, it looked great, the stories were great, and it had a bunch of... Uh, it was like a sci-fi anthology. That was number 63 on the top 100 with 19 copies of Shop. Teen Titans, that was everything. That was number five yeah. out of the top 196 copies of per shop. Uh, Justice League was number 53 with 23 copies of shop. And Legion of Superheroes, and this was the Giffen, right? This
1: was uh, Paul Levitz and, and Keith Giffen,
0: I believe. Paul Levitz, Paul Keith Giffen. This, this was a huge time for them, and that was uh, mm-hmm. number 26, 43 copies of shop. And,
1: and this th- is just after. The, this is very new. This is very shortly after they removed superboy and from the title right so uh so i mean they they lost their top star and uh, still were able to maintain uh such you know for the time i don't great know if sales. it was
0: this year or if it was it was definitely around that they did the great darkness saga with with darkside yeah that's right and that really i almost said darkseed <laughs> <laughs> you know it depends on the dialect you know some yeah, say you know. darkside some say darkseed <laughs> I hear up up in Morris Morrisania in the Bronx they say dark seed you know that's how they go. <laughs> there you <it>. go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, you know that really brought the Legion into the what then was the you know current current times kind of made them much yeah. more serious, a little darker, but it was definitely uh, still a lot of fun. Worth checking out. I don't know if the trade is still in print or ever came back in print, but uh, it exists out there. I'm sure it's not hard to get those copies. I'm
1: sure Amazon, you'd be able to find that.
0: So uh, Jim Shooter said he thought they could sell 39 million copies in the first two years of all these seven titles for a gross profit of $3.5 million, and then expecting success, obviously they would uh, expand into other comics, I guess The Flash and uh, so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, it's, it's odd that the Flash is missing, Supergirl is missing, and I think her Movie was uh, on the docket at this point.
0: I think it was, I think this was the year it came out. Yeah, so it's, it's
1: so yeah, that's uh, another uh, kind of odd omission.
0: It's true, uh, and you know, the, the you know, there's no talk of another Batman title. You know, like it's I guess yeah, no you get so used in DC to having at least two minimum. If you're not going to yeah. have the Bat Family and the Bat dogs and the bat cats and whatever else you know but uh, yeah they were just gonna I mean I, I think Shooter had to play this pitch a little conservatively
1: absolutely yeah they, they weren't interested in the first place so he had to he really had to sell it and he really had to show that it wasn't if it did flop yeah, they, they, it had to be a little bit of a risk mitigation in there where it For wasn't sure. gonna hurt the bottom line too much
0: there was somebody in Marvel though that was really interested in this he loved Superman that's right his name was uh,
1: John. His name is he's he's still with us. His That's name right. is John Byrne, and uh, he uh, really really wanted to draw Superman. And uh, even when just the just the notion that this could be a thing <laughs> happened, he drew up a, a, a cover with the Marvel logo on it, and he he wrote a pitch. Mm-hmm. He wanted to, uh, to, you know, stop me if you heard this before. He wanted to reboot Superman. Um, <laughs> and course, uh, and. He, you know, he would go on to do so uh, just uh, what two years after this. It was, yeah, it was Man of Steel eighty six or eighty seven?
0: It might have been eighty seven, but it was uh, it was one of the two. Yeah, and he did record yeah. it and change a lot of stuff. But he, even his ideas early on uh, for his Marvel pitch were very different. The, the biggest difference that I saw that really struck me was the fact that he would have ha- come to Earth with his mother. Yes, and then she was going to die of kryptonite by way of giving him a giving him a Marvel esque tragedy. Yes. And also to show that kryptonite was the thing that could kill him.
1: And and also giving him a live earth birth.
0: That's right. Which, uh, That's right. He, so he'd be born on earth as opposed to in a matrix or in that weird
1: Yeah, the DC one. He wanted to he when he pitched to DC, he, that was that was his pitch. He wanted uh, he wanted Lara to come and to 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 pass giving birth. And uh, that's one of the things that he could not get. Yeah. And uh, because one of the things he wanted to do was he, he wanted to go against the, uh, the you know, the, uh, the way they were really playing up his alienation. He, he did not believe in the alienation part of it mm-hmm. because, you know, he was raised in an, an Earth boy. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, did, he didn't think there was any reason why he should have felt, you know, alienated from, from everybody which uh it's an interesting way to think about it, and uh it it's one of the reasons I really relate to the Byrne uh, era uh, in comparison to the others,
0: yeah, I mean, you know John Byrne has said some incredibly amazingly shitty things over the years, but this is one of no. those things i and and <laughs> he said a lot of harsh things that I agree with also, and this is one of those things I agree with that Superman is an american he he looks at himself as an earthling, but yeah. that's let me tell you John Byrne, that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> he, he, he can <laughs> might get his, own, his own segment.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: So, uh, Ed Shulkin, Vice President of, for Circulation of Marvel, weighs in, and he calls Jim, Jim Shooter's proposed numbers ridiculous. You know, this uh, 39 million copies in the first two years, he says they're going to double them at least. And now, everyone at Marvel is getting very excited. Suddenly, this looks like a great opportunity for them to Basically, take over the entire market, uh, direct and newsstand. I mean, who else can compete with them at this point? There's
1: not a soul. Yet, but maybe. then,
0: uh, perhaps coincidentally, or maybe even kind of maybe related to this uh, very pitch, first comics, which uh, I knew best for putting out American Flag, which was an amazing Howard comic, Chaykin. Howard Chaykin yeah. comic, and uh, John Sable freelancer, which I remember being. I was a little little too young for that at the time, but was I remember that looking. it was Mike Grell.
1: Likerel, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, I know you can get an American flag out there and trade. I don't know about the John Sable, but uh they're both worth checking out for for cheap if you can uh, Certainly. But, but they but they were making waves, they were coming up in the scene, and uh, they sued Marvel, uh, and part of that suit was an antitrust allegation that they were had taken over too much of the market, which frankly was uh more or less true, especially since. Guys like Gold Key had, had uh, Folded and Charlton had folded Not too long before this, I think Probably about three or four years They folded uh, yeah. maybe even couldn't five. fight the allegation it, Exactly, well they, they, they didn't Want to get into bed with DC when This uh, This suit was happening, it would only it'd yeah. be like No, we're not trying to take over the industry, we're just Taking our next <laughs> biggest competitor <laughs> And folding them in, and, and actually it, You know, they weren't going to buy The characters they were gonna license them. Yes. From DC. DC would still hold all merchandising and all film and T V rights, which is where they really thought the money is, and frankly, they weren't wrong about that. But so no. it's I, I don't want people to get this mistake that, you know, it wasn't like Marvel was gonna own Superman. They were just gonna be making their comics for D you know, for D C yeah essentially with their editorial department and their talent so it would have been a very crazy thing but unfortunately or fortunately or however you want to
1: <laughs> your mileage may vary
0: perceive it yeah uh, the deal died and was never brought up again and I think part of that had to do with the very next year watchmen uh, Dark Knight returns
1: crisis on infinite crisis Earth.
0: came out without was that, that wasn't the very next No, was that 86.
1: That was uh, eighty five through eighty. I think I believe I believe it started in eighty five.
0: I think it started yeah. So so Secret Wars kind of like overlapped a little bit at the end because yeah. Secret Wars was like pretty much the entire year of eighty five. And and frankly, that probably kept Marvel plenty busy enough without folding in you know Green Lantern or whatever. <laughs> sure. So they weren't. Uh, although you know, if if DC had folded. All that talent would have probably come over to Marvel, too. Alan Moore, yeah. Uh Whether, whether Bol-
1: they wanted Boland. to or not.
0: Exactly. I mean, who else are you going to work for? You know. I guess you can uh, crank out comics for the underground market, which uh, they probably would have also. But They're definitely not. would have been a very, very crazy thing. Uh, Certainly. You can only, your mind can go wild speculating on the titles and the stories that might have come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a JLA Avengers story in the 90s. And there had been crossovers before, uh, yes, between Marvel and DC. But this would have been a whole different bag.
1: Yeah they they kind of uh, they kind of held each other's hands while the uh, speculator market was falling apart in the mid to late '90s, where you would get the uh, the prestige format, you know, Green Lantern and Silver Surfer book, and uh, it was a uh, that was I'm sure that's uh, that's something we'll discuss another time.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's true. That 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 really is the '90s is its own animal, also. So. Uh, I guess that wraps up this week's Weird Comics history. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Maybe you learned something out there, or maybe you want to write into us and tell us what we got wrong. <laughs> and uh, you can do that by writing into Weird Science DC Comics at gmail.com uh, If you want to attack one of us directly, uh, you can get uh, me on Twitter at ReggieReggie, Reggie, and you can get Chris. I'm at Ace Comics on Twitter. And uh, everybody should make sure to check uh, Chris's incredible blog. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.blogspot.com. He's been doing uh, reviews every single day of very oddball, usually DC comics, right? I don't think you've strayed out of DC. It's all DC. It's been all DC. Uh, Really, some of the weirdest, wonkiest comics. I'd say I know about half of them. (laughs) So it's even been illuminating for me. Very well done, very well written. Make sure to check that out and make sure you give us a listen next week when we're going to keep it nice and weird historically.